Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care the Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Black, and we are here to share TCK stories and strategies for supporting TCKs in all walks of life. Joining us on the show today is another old friend of mine. And yes, I know, I have a lot of old friends who are all on the show. It's because... Not not old friends, but friends who've been around for a long time who are TCKs. And don't judge me because I'm a TCK, so I got a lot of TCK friends, and I like talking to them. So here we are. Joining us on the show today, as I was saying, is Beth Stoker. Beth, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. Absolutely. So, Beth, tell us a little bit about yourself, especially where are you from, Beth? Where are you from? <laughs> from a little bit of everywhere. Um, I was born in Congo, the former Zaire. So I like to tell people I was born in a country that no longer exists. That's cool. Um, I was born Not a lot on of people a little... can say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sticks. When I was doing youth ministry, it was a really good, you know, kind of little tidbit for three truths and a lie or whatever, two truths and a lie. Yeah, there you um, yeah, so I was born there on a little mission station called Kerala um, in the Ubangi province of Congo. Um, not much in or out. Um, my parents would pack a big old shipping container with three years worth of cereal and clothes in different sizes and all that stuff to um, get us there because, you know, there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't much opportunity for shopping where we were there. Um, so we were there until... Um, I was in second grade, um, and then the Civil War broke out in Congo, and so we had to evacuate from Congo. Um, we evacuated to the Central African Republic. Um, we were there in the capital in Bangui just for about um, three months before we had to evacuate from there because they also had a civil war. Um, and we went from there on a little mini vacation to a little town of Limbe, Cameroon, and um, we just stopped through very briefly for um, a little Easter vacation on our way back to the United States. Um, two evacuations was enough for my parents. And, yeah, I was going to um, we say, gonna you, need an eva- you need a vacation after that, right? Jeez. Yeah. So we took just a few days in Limbe and, you know, didn't think much of it. Um, went back to the States for... Um, about a year and a half um, before uh, the mission decided that we were going to move to Cameroon, um, which was weird because it was a familiar place. So um, mm. we didn't move to Limbe. We moved to Yaoundé, Cameroon, which is the capital there. And um, the reason we moved there is because my uh, mom um, was the director or the principal of our uh, missionary school, Ubok, in um uh, Congo, and there were a group of middle schoolers um, who were living in villages um, from our mission um, in Central African Republic, but it, they were teenage girls. It wasn't really um, seen as a safe place for them. We had just evacuated from CAR, you know, a year before. Sure. Um, and so their parents wanted to send them to Yaoundé, where the high school was, um, but uh, Rainforest International School didn't have a middle school program. They only had high school, and so they needed a schooling option for these middle school girls. So essentially, um, we moved to Cameroon in the short term, um, just for a year, in order to um, for my mom to teach these teenage girls. And it was just temporary. We're going to move right back to Congo. Um, but, you know, God had other plans, and we did not ever move back to Congo. I've, I haven't been back since I was seven years old. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so we were in Cameroon and uh, through high school, other than a couple of furlough years in the United States. But other, aside from that, we were there until I graduated from high school with your lovely wife. And uh, yeah, then I moved back home to California to my third home. Right. Um, my parents own a home in um, North County, San Diego, which is actually where I am right now. Um, I have a couple friends and I are renting their house from them. So it's kind of fun. I've got this kind of home base thing going. Um, but I moved back um, for college in LA at Azusa Pacific University. So called Azusa uh, home for five years and um, loved it, had a really great experience there. Um, and then um, after grad school, I kind of took a gap year, um, lived in Southern California before my dad encouraged me to apply for international schools. Um, and I got a job as the dorm assistant at Morrison Academy in Taiwan. And um, I lived there for three years. And um, Taiwan, it's it's funny, even as an adult living somewhere, um, Taiwan is as much home for me, I think, as anywhere in the world. So um, hmm. people might ask, you know, yeah, that's a complicated question, right? Where are you from? I, I think I'm even maybe stranger than most TCKs in that I not only, you know, consider uh, Cameroon and, and Congo too home and Southern California, but I also um, consider Taiwan to be home and um, just fell in love with that country when I lived there. So, yeah, typical crazy TCK stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to kind of derail our whole um, plan trajectory for this podcast to just ask you... <laughs> How much of the how much of the evacuations do you remember? Um, hmm. well, I remember. Yeah, I was seven at the time. So I, it, when we were in Congo, we were not in danger at all. Like we weren't near the fighting. Um, the mission had evacuated several other times before, and so they kind of had like a line, you know, and if like the rebels cross this line, which is, you know, however many days travel away, that's when we leave. Um, and so I remember on um, the 3rd of January, we were out, uh, we had this lake with like six or seven houses on it, you know, that the mission, a couple of different missions owned these houses. And we were there for a little vacation, uh, January 3rd is my brother's birthday. So we were there and um, a few people were supposed to come just for the day from the mission station as well to celebrate with us. But instead, the whole mission station showed up on January 3rd for his birthday. And my mom was freaking out. Um, you know, It didn't make quite enough food for all these people kind of thing. Um, but essentially, his birthday got hijacked for a mission meeting um, about, you know, what what we were going to do, you know, the rebels were advancing, what's the plan? And the plan was to send all except essential personnel um, back to the United States. Um, so they sent everyone except just a few families. Um, we were one of the families that stayed since my mom was the principal of the school and my dad was the missionary accountant. Um, so we stayed on our mission station for, you know, maybe another month. It wasn't long. Um, with just a few other families and then, you know, they hit the breaking point where it was like, all right, you all go now. Um, and 
the reason we went to Central African Republic again is because my my father and then my friend Sarah Epster and her father Pete um, was our mission uh, our in country coordinator. And so our two dads, the plan was we would go to Central African Republic and they would still be able to make trips into Congo because um, just right across the river. Um, so that was the plan. And we did that for about three months. We lived there. Um, but then Central African Republic had its own war and that, you know, I was a little more um we were definitely more in the midst of it in Central African Republic um, since we were in the capital city, I think, is the big reason. But also just because it was a big city, there was more violence. So it's hard. I think it was hard as a little girl to know what was war related and what was just city violence kind of related type stuff. Right. So. I remember one night in particular, you know, waking up to the sound of gunshots and, you know, everyone freaking out. And um, I remember I was kind of like in this part of the house was that was very separate from the rest of my family. Um, and I remember my dad kind of crawling uh, around the house and crawled into my bedroom and said, you know, it's OK, come with me. And he like brought me back to where the rest of my family was in the house. Um, I have two brothers, so they had kind of like created a bedroom for me out of bookshelves in the living room. So that's why I was like a little away from everyone else. But um, so that was just a robbery down the street, you know. But to my mind, we just evacuated from Congo. Of course, that was war related, but it was really, you know, it was a robbery down the street kind of thing. But um, I do remember, you know, when we when we went to the airport to evacuate, you know, there were a lot of. Um, we had heard a lot of machine gun fire around, you know, there were definitely times when like uh, we were in a, a walled compound. Um, but I remember one time in particular, the six of us kids, three, my family and three, the extrans, um, we were all like watching TV or something. It was the brethren mission there, I think. And um, we all heard these machine guns and the oldest, Rachel, she was like, all right, everyone close all the windows. So we like, closed all the, you know, all the blinds and we all ducked under the wicker furniture because that was going to protect us, of course, you know, um, kind of thing. And um, so I, I do have memories of that, you know, and um, I would say that the trauma that has definitely followed me. Um, I am, I, I, I am a pacifist, so this you can cut out if you need to, but um, I, uh, I think probably my like dislike of violence um, is probably 50% theological and 50% trauma based. Um, yeah, that makes sense. understandably um, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, like right now I'm dating a guy, great, great boyfriend, I'm, you know, probably going to marry him and he's fantastic. He was a, a competition marksman in high school. Um, so he really likes his guns and, um, it's, it's been really interesting, you know, and, and I'm grateful that he's been very, um, very patient and understanding with me, you know, and understanding my trauma, you know, surrounding violence and guns and all of that. And, um, has been, you know, has worked really hard to help me, you know, get past some of that and grow past some of it, you know, and, um, be able to see, you know, for him, like why it's important. And that, um, I think has been a really important thing in my kind of trauma journey. 
um, to just be able to, you know, work past some of those memories and they'll always be there. I have some triggers that other people don't have. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think I was not your typical kid. Maybe I was your typical TCK. I don't know, but I was very, um, I was very attached to Congo. I was a seven year old and I knew, you know, the little river I was going to be baptized in. And I knew what stage I would graduate high school on, you know, and I, I kind of had my, my life up till 18 planned at the age of seven. Um, mm. And um, so I think that that's why my, my kind of, my trauma maybe followed me a little more than sometimes it would at that age um, because I was such a thinker. I was so cerebral and such a planner. Um, so all through high school, you know, if, if my parents and I would get in a fight, you know, inevitably, you know, my dad and I'd be shouting at each other and, um, inevitably every single time it would end up with me just in tears saying, I just want to go back to Congo. Um, and that probably happened every like three months, most of my life through high school. Mm. Um, so, so definitely the, the trauma of being ripped away from, from my birthplace, um, and the place that I, I really love definitely has, has stuck with me. And I think um, before I moved to Taiwan, I went through, um, I went through some trauma counseling. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily a, a part of the plan, but I, I went to missionary orientation with my specific mission first. And there, there came up a lot of anger that I had toward my mission. Um, for making us leave for, you know, not protecting the people there, but protecting us. And it made me feel like they were saying my life was more valuable than my friends' lives there. Um, and I just, I had a lot of anger and a lot of it centered around the fact that my mission didn't, they didn't do trauma counseling with us um, as kids. I think they, That's too bad. they, they tried to be, yeah, they tried to do some play therapy, I think. You know, and again, I was seven, you know. I think maybe my friend who was 14 or, you know, 12 at the time maybe got a little more than I did. Um, but I think, you know, in their minds we were seven and maybe they didn't know as much about trauma back then. And, you know, I don't know. I think maybe they tried and we said we were fine. Um, but they should have forced it. You know, we were kids. And um, they should have checked back in with us, you know, five years later and, and seen, you know, cause we were in the mission until we were 18. So I think, um, yeah, going to that missionary orientation and being there and just having it come up, how much anger I really was holding toward our mission for not taking care of us as kids, um, and not helping us process well. And, you know, my parents did their best, but they were going through their own trauma. And, and I think that the adults have a little more counseling than we did as kids. But um, anyways, so that came up at my like missionary specific one. And then I went to something called pre-field orientation, which is um, more with the Ruth Vanderkin like foundation and all of that. Um, and the uh, more general TCK community. And that's really more to prepare adults and families for um being missionaries and um, teaching parents what it means for their kid to be a TCK. And that was a really valuable time for me. Um, it was a, I think, it, I don't know if it was a week or two, um, but it was really, 
really well done. And um, during it, they do a simulation of um, a uh, a coup attempt. And um, going into it, the our um, our hiring manager at our school happened to be there. She was one of the leaders, Bonnie McGill, and um, she actually recently passed away. But she was just a leader in the field of TCK um, and spouse, especially like um, missionary spouse support. And um, anyway, she gave me permission not to participate in the coup kind of attempt uh simulation but I you know said I think I'll be fine I think I'll be okay and I was not fine um, and it was not okay oh, no. <laughs> and um, it was uh, yeah I just didn't realize I think how much trauma I had and it just really came up in that moment and um, so there was someone there who was nice enough who was a, a therapist who did some some trauma counseling with me and helped me kind of get to the root of a lot of my um, anger and um, stuff that have followed me and I think I think that was the big thing right was uh, identifying the anger has really transformed um, my life I am a much less angry person than I was all growing up and I think just realizing like where that anger came from and being able to um, forgive um, and then also advocate for things to be better you know has been really big for me so, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's a long answer to your question do I remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Hmm. I was gonna say, you know, you had said that uh, you're you're an unusual child, even for being a TCK, like unusual within the TCK community. And I thought back to the story that you shared of huddling with your family in the corner of your house as you avoid gunshots that are really no big deal because it's just a robbery. Right. And that, to me, like, it's just a robbery, so it's no big deal that we're huddled in the corner of your house. That's that's unusual. That's highly abnormal. Yeah. And so, yeah, I totally get that yeah. you would feel some, a lot of apprehension about guns and violence and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel that I'm the same yeah. way and possibly for similar reasons. I, I don't think yeah. my story is anywhere near extreme, as extreme as yours, but, <laughs> yeah, I hear that. And then also, you know, I... I really appreciate that, um, you know, you did experience a lot of trauma surrounding political unrest and that sort of thing, and, you know, faced some very real physical threats um, yeah. at, at a very early age, too, which is yeah. terrifying. But then you also mentioned that being ripped away from your home was its mm -hmm. own sort of trauma. And right. yeah, I think that that can, um, I hope that that speaks to a lot of TCKs who maybe haven't had the political unrest side of trauma, but may still have some sort of trauma associated with um, displacement and lo losing their homes. Displacement yeah, is hard totally. for anyone, any any time, but absolutely the younger, I, I would imagine the, the harder, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that you, that you recognize the two sorts of traumas and sort of spoke to both mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask you, it said that you had um, you had to sort of identify the anger um, in moving past your trauma, and you had talked about having some anger for the mission organization for how they handled um, the, just the safety of everyone involved in that situation. Uh, yeah. Did you have any anger for like the rebel groups and the people who were actively involved in all of the political unrest, that sort of thing? Hmm. 
That's interesting. I wonder how much has to do with personality in that sense that like I am a much more um, relational person. So I think for me, it was like the people that I had a relationship with were the ones I was angry with. Um, but when I think back on it, I think to like my brother and his really good friend, um, they were a little older, right? Three, four years older and um, different personality type. And they had a lot of anger um, toward the, the rebel group and also um, toward the president of Mobutu Sesiseko because he, um, he just had a lot of money kind of hidden throughout the world. <laughs> and so they used to, they had this story that they were going to like go and treasure hunt and find his money and give it to the people of Congo, you know, or something and, you know, give it back to the people it belonged to. So I think they had a lot more maybe political anger. And I don't know if that was age and awareness or if it was more personality. Um, I think because I was so young, um, it was more, you know, who can I see um, kind of thing. I, I will say, you know, years later, I watched um, the movie Hotel Rwanda in high school. And um, I will say during that movie, I don't know if it was anger so much as sadness. I don't know which it was, but that movie was very difficult for me to watch because that movie like essentially like sparked the rebels that came into Congo. And, um, you know, the, the events of the Hotel Rwanda movie uh, felt very real to me because they were the cause then of my displacement. And so, but I don't know again that it was anger so much as it was just like grief and trauma. And like, you know, I watched that movie and was like, okay, I don't ever need to see that movie again kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, it's interesting. I've never thought about, you know, it's interesting who you place the, the anger on. And I think mine was, very, very much like people I was in relationship with. Um, my parents, the mission organization. Um, I don't think ever the Congolese people that we worked with, although, you know, now as an adult, I know that essentially they asked us to leave because they would be, you know, they knew they'd be safer if we weren't there. So, I mean, that wasn't the only reason they asked us to leave. They also asked us to leave for our safety, you know, mm -hmm. but partially, you know, they knew they'd be safer we weren't there. Um, I I realized Easton was able to identify a lot of my trauma um, was surrounding the fact that I was a helpless child, mm -hmm. um, and I was helpless to help the helpless Congolese children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I was I was able to kind of focus in on was that um, my heartbreak was that like I wasn't able to help my friends there. Um, and they were just abandoned and kind of left to die kind of thing, yeah. um, which, you know, wasn't necessarily 100% the case, you know, but a lot of them, you know, did die. There was a lot of um, carnage and uh, rape. And um, so, yeah, I think I think some of mine centers around I think some of my trauma centers around guilt Um, you know, there's that divide, you know, I, I feel really strongly about missionaries not going in and being the great white savior kind of thing. And then to be able to identify that, like, but my privilege allowed me to leave um, mm. in a way that uh, my Congolese brothers and sisters were not able to leave. And um, I think that really struck me hard in um, 
a guilt way, an anger way, you know, just kind of a mix yeah. of all these different things. But yeah. um, just, um, yeah, my privilege really hit me hard when I started to unpack my trauma. Um, and that's not, not fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not fun to admit when you're the privileged one. And yeah, it feels other weird. Other people had to suffer. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, like, why, like, why did I get lucky enough? to be born into a family with resources and to a country that's, you know, relatively, you know, at peace or at least, you know, in relation to Congo, you know, and mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. what did I do to be born into that? That's not fair. That's not right. Like, and then to also feel so helpless to, to help, you know, um, I have this privilege, but I can't even like use it for anything. It's just stupid. And what's the point, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sounds a lot like survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so another thing I, I thought of was, you know, having gone through um, a lot of unrest and a lot of displacement in your early years, you know, off off mic, we were just talking, joking about uh, how TCKs can never settle. And do you feel like that has contributed to your sense of not being able to settle? Like you said that You'd mm -hmm. wanted to go home, and like it came up every, about every three months or so, all through your high school years. Yeah. Um, and so, do you feel like that's continued on through your adult life? Um, I get bored very easily. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> and I again, I don't know how much of that is personality, and how much of it is you know, uh, being raised, moving around. I mean, I, we didn't like there was a lot of change, right? Like we didn't move that much really, you know, in the grand scheme of things compared to a lot of missionary kids, you know, I mean, had one house in Congo. Um, we've had basically one home in the U S my whole life that we like come in and out of. Um, and most of my family is like in the Southern California area, my extended family. Um, and then in Cameroon, we only ever had one house, you know? So, mm. um, but I think, raised with a lot of change in that, you know, every three or four years, I got to start a new adventure in the United States or vice versa. And also every year there were so many new people coming and going. And um, so I think the idea of being stationary is a little scary, mm. uh, if that's the right word, but also just boring. Like I just get really bored and I don't know, again, I don't know how much of that is, you know, I think people have different reactions, right? I know TCKs that um, wish they got to see a tree grow, you know, and so they start a farm in Iowa and they're there the rest of their lives. And um, that's because they want to give their children the stability that they didn't have. Um, and I don't think that's because they didn't have a good childhood experience. You know, the ones that I know that did that, like, really appreciate that they grew overseas. They just want to be able to watch a tree grow kind of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas for me, like with jobs, I find, you know, I learn a job and then I'm bored. Like I learned it. I'm ready for the next thing, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah. or I learned a town and now I'm ready for the next town or, you know, um, I think relationally, um, is the biggest thing, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say I get bored of people, but maybe I do. Um, you know, I, I'm not used to seeing my best friends on a regular basis. Um, and 
So I think especially like work relationships, I think personal relationships are a little different, but like work relationships. So like those casual relationships, same as like your casual kind of friends at school that aren't like your best friends. It's more comfortable for me to have those change on a regular basis and to get a fresh start on a regular basis. Um, and that scared me a little bit, you know, as I've like entered into a romantic relationship, right? Like, okay, am I going to get bored of this person, you know, or are they going to get bored of me? Like, are we going to want to change, you know, cause you're kind of just used to that. And, and it's weird cause you do have some relationships that are so long term, yeah. but not new relationships, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, and the relationships that are the most long term, you don't see on a regular basis, right? Like, is it, if it's your parents, if it's your siblings, your missionary aunts and uncles, you know, whatever, your best friends from growing up, you don't, you see them maybe, you know, family I see a couple times a year and then um, friends, you know, every few years. And so, yeah, I don't know. There's just something weird about like starting a relationship with someone where I'm like, okay, am I going to see you every day for the rest of my life? And am I going to be okay with that or not? You know, and I think I will, and I hope I will, and I pray I will, and uh, vice versa. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think sometimes that makes it difficult. But I do. I'm not, for better or for worse, I'm not scared of a new adventure. You know, I mean, um, like Michael, that's my boyfriend's name. He'll often um, be like, "Well, would you follow me if I went here? Would you go here with me? Would you do this? Would you do that?" I'm like, "I'd go anywhere. I don't care. Like, <laughs> we get to start over. Great." You know, like, um, and it's not because I like meeting new people. I don't. I like actually really don't like meeting new people. <laughs> I, um, but I like starting new things. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I I like checking things off a list if that makes sense. So I think mm. my my problem with like being somewhere for a long time is like. I like project-based things, you know, like I started the project, I saw it through and I'm done, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can't really do that if you're living somewhere for a really long time. Um, But like, those are my best things at work, right? Like I see the start, I see the end, I can check it off my list, you know, even if it's like a month's long project, at least I like can check it off the list kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, I am definitely not afraid of moving and that's hard, you know, for friends and family in the U.S. to understand. Um, my, you know, my, my closest friends here, they're like, you can't leave. Why do you keep leaving? You know, kind of thing. And, um, I want to tell them how sad I am to leave them, which is true. But also I'm really excited for the next adventure. I just, (laughs) I would like to move to a new city and learn something new and whatever. Um, so I don't like making new close friends, but I like making new like acquaintances like that sure yeah absolutely so beth looks like we're winding down on time a little bit i just wanted to ask um, one final question looking back on your whole experience all the unrest all the relationships all the experiences that you've had um and the you know the places that you lived and everything that you've been through um is there was there anything about your overseas growing up experience that you would change Um, I, I think the short answer is no. Um, 
because I, I'm not a big believer in, you know, going back and changing the past because the, the past makes me who I am today. And I kind of like the person I am today. And um, I think that God uses all those those little things to make us who we are. But yeah, absolutely. You know, there are little things that I would do different. If I didn't have to, you know, have the trauma that I have, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, I would, yeah. I would prefer that out obviously. And um, there are things I would do different. Like if I were to raise my kids overseas, um, you know, there are definitely different experiences I would give them. Um, I think maybe at the time my parents didn't have a choice or didn't think they had a choice, but I would, um, it's really important to me that like my kids would learn the local language um, and be fluent in it and, you know, go to school with local children um, at least for a period of time. Um, and that's not something that we got. And uh, that's one of my greatest regrets is that like, I learned a little bit of French, you know, but not a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that's one of the greatest gifts that TCKs get is, you know, being multilingual, and I kind of don't have that. I speak a little French and a little Chinese, and now they come out together. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, that's something I would definitely want to do differently if I were to raise my own kids overseas, is I want to make sure, you know, they were really, um, really able to learn and appreciate the local culture more than I was. You know, I have a great fondness for Cameroon, right? And I mm -hmm. would say I have more national loyalty to Cameroon than the U.S. Mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to when it comes to sporting events, right, of course, and all those things. Oh, yeah. But uh, I am American, and I only speak this language, and yeah. um, I don't really know the history. I mean, I took Cameroonian history, so I know a lot, a lot more Cameroonian history than um, kind of your typical missionary kid, probably, because only a few people took that class. But um, I still, you know, don't know as much as I wish I knew um, kind of thing. And um, to move there would be hard, right? Uh, and I wish that weren't the case, I think. Um, and then, you know, the, the hard things that I wouldn't change, um, I don't think, but that are that are hard and that will always be a part of the story, you know, are... Um, I think growing up far from from family, I think especially grandparents. Um, I get really emotional when I think about my grandparents, and I'm I'm so lucky they're all four still alive, and I've mm -hmm. gotten to know them as adults. Um, you know, in college, I got to see both sets of grandparents. You know, almost once a month, one set of grandparents would meet me for dinner. Um, like 30 minutes from my college about once a month. And so I got to know them and love them and have a relationship with them. And um, the other set of grandparents, um, I used to, you know, they lived near my aunt who was kind of my home base in college. So I got to spend a lot of time with them as well. Um, so I'm, I'm so grateful that I have an adult relationship with my grandparents. Um, but I was robbed in a sense of those like childhood memories with your grandparents, you know, baking cookies with your grandma. I've gotten to do that as an adult with one grandma, but my other grandma has dementia and, you know, um, I, you know, I didn't get to do that with her. And that, that's definitely a, a trauma point for me when it, when it comes to interacting with my cousins, yeah. um, we'll sometimes have fights about that. My cousin will be like, Oh, just ask, Nana for that or you did this with Nana and you know I'll start crying and be like I never got to do that with Nana like 
she's not the person she was when you were growing up, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I mean, I've, I've been so fortunate in that, um, both my mom and my dad's family's, um, relationships are really important to them. And my parents may always made it a priority to see them when we were home and to live near them. Um, and now I live 10 minutes away from my 95 year old grandparents. Um, so I get to have an adult relationship with them and with my aunts and with my cousins. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, but I do, you know, regret in a sense, those years that I didn't get to have with my grandparents. Um, and it makes me sad to think that, you know, if my, my kids wouldn't have that too, you know, when I've watched, I only, I have one niece and, um, She's she's just turning one this week, and my mom has only gotten to see her twice, you know, and that's that's hard. And I, and I think it's interesting watching my mom go through that, and I think probably it hitting her that that's what she did to her parents, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. But you know, God calls you go. That's you know that's what it is. But I think probably her understanding in a new way, you know the grief of her mom and all of that. And um, it's, that's like, I want to see my niece more often. I love her and, you know, I wish I had more of a relationship with her, especially as she grows up. But more than that, I grieve for, you know, her not having, you know, my parents so close, but her other other grandparents are like 20 minutes away. She gets to see them all the time and I love that, you know? Um, And that's something I know even when my brother and his wife were dating, you know, was a thing that they talked about that, you know, he said to her, I love that our children will grow up with your parents down the street, you know, and, and have those, those grandparents right there. He's like, but it kills me that they won't have that with my parents, you know? Mm. Um, I think that's the greatest thing that, Um, we give up when we are racist TCKs and I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, Mm -hmm. I 100% want to give my kids the TCK experience. Um, if I ever have kids, um, I, I think that it's shaped me. I think it makes me a better and a stronger and a more understanding person. And I, you know, I 100% want my kids to have that, but Mm. I also, you know, it doesn't come without cost. And I I think that that's the greatest cost is um, just not being, you know, near family. But that's not just a TCK thing, you know, learning more and more. um, Maybe in some ways I appreciate my family more as an adult because I didn't have them as a kid, you know. Mm. Um, So I see my grandparents a lot more often than Mm -hmm. most of my friends see their grandparents as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in some sense, you know, that's probably shaped my, my adult relationships a lot better. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, um, just, uh, talking about some of the different issues. And, uh, I think that there are going to be a lot of people listening to this, that a lot of your story resonates with very powerfully, um, not only in the, you know, transition and moving around but also the family relationships and what that means to you and you know hearing you say that for everything you went through you wouldn't change it because it made you who you are um, is powerful and then to say that having grown up uh, overseas away from your family but that you still want that experience for your children uh, um, yeah. that's yeah that's that's telling as well definitely so thank you Beth yeah. so much for taking the time yeah. to share with us on TCK Care the podcast today Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was good to chat.
You've been listening to TCK Care, the podcast with me, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs. Hosting and producing TCK Care, the podcast is a part of my ministry, which is made possible by the generous support of my financial partners. If you would like to make a one-time or recurring pledge, please go to tckcare.com slash give. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned for more TCK Care coming up next week.